Music's a great uniter. No age, no gender, no nothing. Whatever. It's time for Backstage Chats with Women in Music, where the stories and voices of female music makers inspire women like you to be dreamers, to be rule breakers, and to unleash your inner rock star. Podcasting from Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world, here's your host, Thea Wood. In this episode, you'll meet bass player Karina Reichman. A 24-year-old New Yorker, Karina has made a name for herself already on the national scene. Having played with her mentor Dave Drywitz of Wayne, jazz musician John Medeski, Nels Klein of Wilco, and even an impromptu soundcheck jam with Fish. There are many more, including her latest touring gig with Marco Benevento, where we caught up with her. As if Reichman isn't busy enough, she's recording and playing with her own trio, the Karina Reichman Experiment, and still works as a promoter for Rocks Off, a summertime concert cruise company. Reichman gives the seasoned music fans hope for the future of rock and roll. Let's start the chat. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Backstage Chats with Women in Music. My name is Thea Wood. I am your host today, and we are here in New Orleans, Louisiana, at the festival Hogs for the Cause. The cause, we are raising money for families struggling with expenses related to children's pediatric brain cancer treatments. And so we are super excited to be here with them, as well as the wonderful shreddingest 2X chromosome bass player on the planet, Karina Reichman. Karina, welcome. Hi, great to be here. Thank you. It's so exciting to be here with you. We are really looking forward to the next few minutes together. And um, I'm just going to jump right in with questions. Can we do that? Let's do it. Absolutely. Okay. Well, you know, my favorite part is the shakedown. And these are six questions that we ask all of our uh, special guests. And we're going to start right off with those. The first one being, who was your first concert? Oh boy. Uh, I'm going to date myself here. Um, and it's, uh, it was 2007. I was in seventh grade and it was my dear friend, Benny's birthday party. And it was fallout boy at Madison square garden. That's right. That's, uh, it's uh, not impressive, but that is exactly what, uh, what happened. Not going to lie to you. That was- oh, I love it. Fantastic. Okay, so the next question. What was the first album you bought with your own money? With my own money, it would have to be um, Bleach by Nirvana. And that was on vinyl. But I do remember my friend Bobby, Benny and Bobby, he lent me think three bucks because I was three bucks short and I remember it was in uh, I was in the village in in Manhattan at a record store called Bleecker Street Records. Well thank you Bobby for yeah. that little loan. Thanks Bobby. <laughs> so yeah uh, mostly me but you know I had some help not gonna lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right next question. Which artist or band is in heavy rotation on your Spotify or Deezer right now? Oh boy. Um, I mean, so many, and I'm so ADD about everything that I just like, you know, I listen to a little bit of everything and I'm just constantly checking new stuff out. But if I were to name one, I mean, Krungbin, it's just been on massive rotation for me. It's just the most likable, listenable music uh, I've heard in a good long time. Such a vibe. So, okay. Well, fans, now we have somebody to look up on Spotify. There we go. Uh, Let's see. Next question. Which woman has had the most influence on your career? Well, you know, I wish I could say like a specific uh, female promoter or 
her agent or manager or somebody like that. But on, I mean, is it contrived to say my mother? Because <laughs> I think it is, you know, shout out to my mother and Boyman. Bless her heart. Um, it, it has to be her because she was the most supportive and just, you know, never uh, given me a hard time about doing this with my life as opposed to, you know, they're, my mom and dad are both college professors at Columbia University. So this is certainly not in that vein. Uh, not what they had planned for you? I mean, they didn't plan anything, which is the beauty. So that's, uh, let's say my mother for the, for the lightning shakedown round of questioning. Awesome. Boom. And Thank you, mom. Yes. Uh, next question. If you could have dinner with any woman, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, boy. I mean, wow. <laughs> that's a tough one right there, too. Let's, can we just say Tina Weymouth and get it over with? You know what I mean? Because uh, Absolutely. I think we'd have a lot to talk about, and, uh, and I think it would be real, real interesting. Tina. Okay, that? there we go. Perfect. And last question. What is one life goal you'd like to accomplish before climbing that golden stairway to heaven? Whoa, deep one. That's a deep one. Deep. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, I I, <laughs> I really, I, I live more day to day than that. Like people ask me where do you see yourself in five years and stuff like that. And I just say, I don't know where I see myself tomorrow. You know what I mean? But um, so that said, a headlining show at Madison Square Garden one day, God willing. I don't know. How about that? Perfect. Good one? Actually, good one? I, think, I think that's about as good as you can come cool. up with. That's it. I think we'll go with that one. <laughs> Okay, so um, first of all, so speaking of tomorrow, you're heading back to New York tomorrow, and you have been on this tour with Marco Benevento that you're playing again this evening, and then you head out tomorrow. What happens when you get home? Uh, good question. I'll be I'll be chilling a little bit, but then uh, I actually I have a headlining show with my own band coming up, uh, not this week but the next. So hopefully rehearsing a lot with my band and writing new music, and I you know, just kind of trying to buckle down and be as creative as possible. Um, and the name of your band is the Karina Reichman Experiment. That's correct. And um, let's talk a little bit about the experiment part. What is experimental about your band? It started out as uh, 100% experimental. We, you know, and the entirety of last year, which is when this whole thing began, where, you know, I didn't have any, like, lofty plans for it or anything, but people wanted me to play at this thing. And I was like, Oh, you know, yeah, let me call my friends who I like to improvise with. So it was completely improvised for a long time. And, uh, and that was the experimentation portion of it. Cause it was just, you know, you step on stage with not even a semblance of a jumping off point or like a tune or a chord that we were going to start nothing like walk on and just go in blind, you know, but these days, you know, uh, after a year of that, I mean, that's super liberating and awesome, but it's also terrifying. And it's also like, you know, I don't know. Now I'm buckling down a little bit with them. And, you know, we all certainly know how to improvise, but do we know how to write songs is right. the question. So, well, and with recording, I mean, how does that work when you're being so experimental and you're coming out with an album? How, how do you pre- prepare or plan for that and record that? I mean, it's, it's complicated. And, you know, right now trying to write, you know, just, three minute long little things. And then, uh, you know, we'll see if in the studio we take them out, but live, we really take them out, you know? So that's, um, that's the vibe on that. Right. Because it's not just, Oh, we just go out there and do something. There is, there's much more to it. Even if it's experimental. Absolutely. No, I mean, and now we're just, uh, you know, we're experimenting with being uh, concrete, if that makes sense. Uh, Absolutely. So, all right. And so we're practicing, we're recording, we're getting off of tour, and you're um, working for 
as a promotional yeah. director, uh, manager, general manager, uh, talent buyer, marketing director, uh, I staff every show, just about everything. Uh, and can you tell our fans what, what you do, what company you're working for and how it works? Sure. Uh, I work for a company called Rocks Off um, Entertainment LLC. That's the, uh, <laughs> that's the LLC. Anyway, uh, I've been doing that for, God, seven years now. And it's just, uh, it's the best. It's a uh, indie concert promoter in New York, uh, started and owned by my dear friend and boss, Jake Sufnerowski, who started doing this in 2001. So it's, it's old school. And the flagship event is the concert cruise. So we put together an entire summer's worth of programming, you know, bands playing on boats, uh, for three hours Uh in the New York Harbor. And then we bring you back to shore and you just got rocked and you, you know, we take you to the Statue of Liberty. There's food, there's water. It's a delight, really. It's really fun. So I work uh, behind the scenes very closely with Jake, um, kind of putting that all together. Okay. And I, I do want people to understand, you say you've been working there for seven years. How old were you when you started working there? It was the summer between high school and NYU for me. So I was, I was 18, but it was, you know, right before I started college and then you know, started out as an intern. I met him because I was playing in a band uh, called Sound of Urchin that played on one of those boats. And then at the end of the night, I was like, I've always heard of this guy. You know, he was kind of infamous around like the New York booking scene. (laughs) So I went up to him and I was like, hey, uh, you know, I really love the rocks off ethos. I love your style. I love everything you do. If you need an intern, you know, I'm starting college in like a month. Uh, I'm your gal. And he was like, yep. Like, you know, you start tomorrow. Can you come tomorrow? And I was like, uh, yeah. So then literally that was 2012 and here we are. Here we are today. 2019 and, you know, just, all, you know, peaks, valleys, you know, more responsibility, less responsibility, more or less. Because I've, you know, at one point when I joined Marco's band, I was like, oh, you're going to need to pay me less to do less here. And, you know, finding a balance of like how much I could handle being on the road and not and whatnot. But it turns out that I, uh, I work from the road, work from the bus. I put a show on sale this morning, like whatever it is, whatever it is, it's become so second nature to me working for this company. So, well, and all right. So touring with Marco's band, playing and practicing with your unbands, working as the promoter, and somewhere in there, is there a personal life? <laughs> Certainly. I mean, I consider it all a part of my personal life, if you know what I mean. You know, uh, they say if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And that's honestly kind of how I feel about it, which I'm knocking on wood with both hands, but it's not really wood. It's leather or something. <laughs> but no, but really, you know, it's really one of those things where I, I feel like it's all a big part of me and it's not work like this. So we're all friends. We're all, yeah, no, it's literally, it's getting to do the most fun things with all of your friends all the time, you know, including the rocks off portion. Like we staff everything. Like I choose who like comes on the boats and I choose when I go on the, you know what I mean? And like, Jake and I are dear friends and like Marco and I are dear friends and all my bandmates are my friends. And, you know, it's just a constant, uh, it's a constant, really remarkable thing and a great time. And yes, no, I mean, I, I go to shows like when I'm home five nights a week that I'm not playing. (laughs) If I don't have gigs, everybody's like, whoa, you're really at every show. And I'm like, well, 
I live in Manhattan, you know, like, I don't know what to take advantage of it. Yeah, I don't know. It's why I'm born and raised there. And I certainly haven't left and don't plan to ever because it just suits my the way I like to live. Well, and in the jam band scene, especially I see that it's obviously very male dominant as far as who you see on stage. And so, for instance, today we're at a festival where we have multiple groups and artists performing and we come across people like Samantha Fish or we come across people like the boyfriend or, you know, different women performing. And I know a lot of people out there see in the media, oh, look at so-and-so's throwing shade at so-and-so. And and there are these Instagram wars happening and all of this drama. Is that a myth? Are you, can we myth bust that? Or how is it when you come across women backstage or through the media? Oh my God. Uh, Well, certainly not contentious ever, you know, I mean, not for me personally, I feel terrible if that's something that people are experiencing. And I definitely don't think in this kind of jam scene that that's really a thing much do you I don't oh my know. god thank god I no, hope not thank god no no I mean that I mean there are a lot of different music uh, subcultures where a lot of different strange things happen and that's what it is but no I mean in this world in particular I find it's true it's male dominated but it's wildly accepting yes. wildly and I've I'll tell you right now nobody has ever given me any trouble for being a lady playing the bass <laughs> or anything, you know? So, so I'm very, you know, yes, I'm grateful for that. I shouldn't have to be grateful for that, but, uh, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's wildly accepting. And, um, I've met a bunch of lovely, you know, Holly Bowling and I are friends and I haven't met Samantha Fish, but we played on the Telluride Blues and Brews Festival together and I watched her set and it was amazing. Haven't met a uh, boyfriend yet, maybe tonight. Maybe. Maybe. Anyway, yeah, no, everybody's super, super accepting and kind and cool in my so, experience. So myth busted. <laughs> uh, not happening around here anyway. Um, so uh, getting on to that and talking a little bit about being on the road and being with all these guys. And, you know, a lot of people, of course, are going to think about the gender differences. Like, for instance, are we all sleeping in the same tour bus if we're on a tour bus? Uh, yeah, if we're on a tour bus, absolutely. We are. There you go. And see, like an older generation might be horrified in that. And I think that nowadays it's just, hey, we're all players and we're going to the same place. Certainly. And, you know, <laughs> I can only hope for a tour bus. That would be fantastic. We've done that uh, twice in my time in the band and both for like three week long tours. But the rest we tour in um, Marco's Mercedes Sprinter van. Uh, and then we all have our own hotel room. So, yeah, that's so how that goes. But no, I mean, you know. I love bus living, man. And we just, you know, yes, they're all dudes, but they're my dearest friends. And we just laugh our way across the country. country. And it's really not, it's not, I mean, not that you need to know this, but like since I was a very young child, like I had extremely few friends who were girls and I used to run around with a pack of 12 boys. Like Mm -hmm. it's just the way it was. Like, I don't know. I'm natural, not on purpose or anything, but those were just my friends and everybody was like, Oh, there goes Karina with all the, like, you know, when I'm like, you know, 10, eight, 10, whatever. I used to play a lot of sports. I used to skateboard, like all that stuff. And that was, uh, that's what it was. And nobody's ever given me trouble for that. So. Well, I like to hear that. Yeah. How about now here's the other side of the coin is the age difference. I mean, if you're on tour with people who are 10, 15, 20 years older than you. Do you see in behavior or things said or, or are there any, you know, age gap, cultural things that you come across? Sure. Uh, well, all, you know, funnily enough, I would tell you all, I'm an only child. And, you know, they say a lot of things about only children that aren't so great. But, you know, one of the things I would say is, you know, the whole like they peer with adults 
thing. You know, I always also felt that way. So when I was 14, 15, 16, like whatever, I had friends 20 years my senior and it didn't feel like anything. It was just people I played music with or met through this or that or going to shows, seeing the Allman Brothers band every night or going on fish tour, whatever it was. Um, you know, I'll say that right off the bat that I've been friends with people much, much older than me for quite some time and, uh, you know, have never thought twice about it. It's just the way that it is. Yeah. Much like a lot of stuff we're saying. (laughs) Well, and you know, I look at music as the great uniter. So many things like gender, age, uh, socioeconomic background, all of these things really at the end of the day, when you're at the show, none of it matters. A hundred percent. And that's exactly my experience with it as well. And I'm super grateful for that. And yeah, no, Marco and Andy or Dave Butler or what, whoever's on drums, who's, you know, definitely 20 or so years older than me, maybe, you know, 15, 18 years older than me, whatever. They're just super down and cool. If you can play, you can play, you know? But tonight we have um, Johnny Kimmock on drums, Steve's uh, son. And he is five years older than me. So just about, you know, my peer. Oh, wow. And uh, we laugh because we're like, oh man, it's so nice to play with someone like, you know, from our generation. <laughs> The millennials are coming in, folks. But of course, he's like the oldest soul ever. And, you know, that's been said of me as well. I don't know if that's true, but he it doesn't feel like you're playing with a kid when you're playing with (laughs) at all for a lot of reasons. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We just, uh, you know, music's a great uniter. No age, no gender, no nothing. Whatever. Let's take a moment to thank our friends at Honey and Abernathy Studio for supporting backstage chats with women in music and give you a heads up about their new Be Happy subscription box. Each month, they curate feel-good body and home accessories from fair trade suppliers and artisans at, get this, almost 50% off retail prices. And even better, the subscription is flexible with six, nine, and 12-month commitment options. And the coolest part, now listen to this, is that as an exclusive offer for Backstage Chats with Women in Music listening audiences, you'll receive a free gift when you use coupon Backstage with any online purchase. Follow at Honey Abernathy on Facebook or Instagram and try the Be Happy subscription box today. Don't worry, be happy. So, all right, we're going to also start here with a few fan questions that were sent to me uh, when people found out that we were chatting. And uh, are you ready to hear some of these? Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's start off. The first fan question, Lisa from San Francisco, California's Sail Time, she asked, I often find myself as the only woman on a boat full of men. (laughs) (laughs) Same girl, same. She she says she wants to know, do you experience mansplaining like she does? Oh, wow. You know, not really. Maybe just because I'm a total lunatic. And if somebody like, you know, is just, you know, pissing me off and talking too much, I'm like, all right, my man, that's been great. I'm going to be over here. Like, I'm just super like uh, deflective about shit like that. So shutting it down. Yeah. And not even maybe on purpose, just, uh. I don't have much patience for it, but you know, yeah, a boat full of men yeah. <laughs> sounds about right. I'm so sorry. What was her name? Lisa, Lisa, Lisa. from, from Lisa the Bay. From Lisa, I really hope, uh, you know, next time if somebody's mansplaining, just, you know, tell them to, to fuck off and, uh, walk to the other side of the room. How about that? Or jump overboard. Yeah. Maybe. Oh yeah, baby. That's a good one. <laughs> okay. Call a dinghy. Call a dinghy. Get your dinghy. Next question is Dorn from Madison, Connecticut asks, does Marco ever wash that hat? Uh, Great question. 
Madison, Connecticut. Um, uh, I'll tell you what, the answer to that is no, but um, two years ago or something, we were on the road with Dispatch and Guster, and we played Meriwether Post Pavilion, and I don't know if you know this about MPP, but uh, they recently redid it, and it has a crazy backstage spa and pool, and it, it feels like you're at Club Med all day before you play. And there was definitely a time where right after we played, Marco and I did jump in the pool with all of our clothes on right after the gig, including the hat. And honestly, the hat's never recovered since then. Oh, no. It looks Was it little, the chlorine? It must have been something, but it got a little warped for sure. And we just laugh about it. He, like, pulls it out of a suitcase and tries to shape it up. He's like, oh, man. But uh, I don't think he'll buy a new one. And, no, he definitely does not wash that thing. Okay, well, now we know the question, or the answer to that question. Next, we are hearing Chris from New Jersey. Who are your base idols? Oh, boy. I mean, I have a ton. But number one, number one, always and forever, is the reason I have this gig at all and the reason you're interviewing me at all. My man, Dave Drywitz from Ween. Yep. He always says the right things. You know, if I start slapping, he's like, ah, you know what? Uh, Karina, maybe we should just uh, play some bass, you know, like a little bass um, or whatever it is. You know, if I ever try to play more than four strings, he's like, ah, no, Karina, don't do that. And I'm like, oh, good call. Good call. You know, if I go too nuts on the effects, that's not true. Well, it is true. He's like, ah, you know, maybe, maybe don't do that anyway dave's dave's my whole he's my guru for everything so and can we let everybody know how you two met and why you and dave have this relationship uh sure it's slightly complicated but maybe not uh when i was younger i went to a school of rock-esque type thing called tomato's house of rock uh, run by a man named tomato who was also the singer and drummer of this band sound of urchin that i ended up touring in and uh we did a a show you know with gene ween a.k.a. Aaron Freeman, who came and picked the set list and whatnot. And it was, like, a couple Ween tunes, but, like, you know, Paul Simon and T-Rex and Shaka Khan and, like, super eclectic, fun mix of tunes. And Dave would just come by those rehearsals to hang out. You know, he's friends with Tomato and whatnot. And and that was, like, the first time he saw me play. I think I was 16. And we just kind of became pals from there. And he said to me, Karina, I want you to play guitar in my power trio, Crescent Moon. And I was just like, wait, what? I was in a bunch of local bands going nowhere at that point and just kind of you know I was also in high school (laughs) anyway so I did a bunch of gigs with Dave as Crescent Moon and you know our friendship just was you know ignited there and still he's just one of the best people to know in the entire world so I'm very see folks you never know where it's going to happen or when, right? No, absolutely. No, it really, and it just, it's all, it's all Dave, honestly, all of this. I wouldn't have a damn thing if it wasn't for Dave. Thank you, Dave. All right. Next question, Wright from Maryland wants to know, if you could go back in time and play with any musician in history, who would it be and why? Oh, shit. Big one. That's a big one. I mean, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is just like literally replacing John Paul Jones for an evening, you know, like just maybe, maybe half the set I come in during like in the light or something. And then he stands on the side of the stage and then I play with, uh, with the rest of Led Zeppelin. I think that would be the dream. How about that? 
I think that's an awesome dream. Awesome. Okay, now we have Jesse in San Francisco, California, who I am thinking is a musician. Okay. And you'll know why when I try to read this question to you. Great. All right. Jam bands often take a modal approach where groups play in one key versus a set of changes. What are the modal advantages and the mindset when playing open-ended modal jams? Oh, dude, Jesse. That'd be super hate. What, 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 what were the advantages? The advantages and, and the mindset that goes with it. Oh, man. I mean, it's, it's great. You know, we all love the open-ended modal jam, man. It just uh, it allows you to, you know, kind of create more freely, if anything, as opposed to being kind of tied down in a certain or by a certain, you know, set of chords or whatnot. You can kind of go off. And I don't know, when we're all listening to each other and I'm playing with Marco... And it's, you know, there's me and Marco and drums, basically. So we just have to listen to each other and see where the other one's going. And with my band, too, you know, it's all, I don't know, doing that allows you to create more freely is really the the call. And it can take all kinds of twists and turns that it wouldn't if you were just on like a, you know, one, four, five blues progression. So we like the type two situation. Well, and I would think that also it connects you with your fellow musicians in a totally different way. Oh, certainly. Certainly. Yeah. And it just, I don't know, it it really, it opens up a whole new platform for you to just kind of create like, you know, something new almost. And just, uh, yeah, it's, it's a listening exercise and, uh, it's hard to exactly put into words, but it makes you draw from, almost nothing if you know what I mean like you don't have parameters the way you do so you have to really be thinking on your feet about what that next note or set of notes or triplet or whatever it is is going to be so it's almost like a game of chess it sure is I would agree there you go all right we got our last uh, fan question before our time starts to wrap up Jim from New Jersey and by the way we got a lot of these because there are a lot of fish heads out there Uh you might know where I'm going with this Jim from New Jersey wants to know, what was it like playing Gordo's Rig and jamming with fish? It was as incredible as you might expect, you know? Um, Yeah, he didn't want the story of how, but, like, he wanted, like, what did it feel like? I mean, it felt completely, like, surreal, and I, you know, when that all ended, I started walking towards my apartment down 7th Avenue from the garden, and I walked into a couple, like, telephone poles and... (laughs) was foaming at the mouth I just couldn't even speak for a while and I got of course every time fish comes to town like I put up a whole lot of my friends in my apartment and so I had a lot of pals there who did I didn't tell them what I was going to go do like that Mike had invited me to go and I wouldn't have gotten up that early for it wasn't early trust me it wasn't early but for me it was because I just played a late night show the night before so anyway I I couldn't even speak. Couldn't I literally speak. couldn't even speak. It well, was and I bet your friends' minds were blown too. They, well, yeah, and I and I just I already had the video because Mike filmed it yeah. from the side of the stage while I was playing. So I was just like literally speechless. I was like, guys, uh, could you could you come sit next to me and check this out? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, yeah, what's up? And I'm like, this is what I just did. <laughs> and then they were like, wait, wait, is that you? Is that right now? Was that? And I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. We put it on the Apple TV on the on the flat screen, and everybody's like, what is going on? Yeah, anyway, it was it was beyond surreal. Right. 
Just, just like a dream. Well, uh, speaking of fish, you know, I follow your Instagram uh, a lot because you just have wonderful, fun postings. And one thing that I've learned, you are quite the seafood fan, are you not? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I'm hoping to eat uh, eat a tower the, tonight at Luke. Oh, okay. Um, God willing. But yeah, I have a reservation at Luke tonight and, uh, and a reservation at Pesh tomorrow. And uh, we ate... Actually, yeah, me and Julian, our tour manager, we went to uh, Harrah's Casino last night, and I did win $90 in blackjack. Oh, congratulations. Then, yeah, thank you so much. And then I called it, and then we uh, we went and got late-night oysters and uh, spent all that 90 Okay, well, for your next oyster binge or seafood fair, we got you a fun little oh, bottle of cocktail sauce. No way. Yes. This is the best day ever. Yay. Oh, we gotta get great. a picture. We're doing a photo op. Photo op. Photo op. Photo op. Photo op. Hey. Look at Instagram. That so, is so, this good. is made by a Cajun woman named Michelle. And thank you, Michelle. She makes this in New Orleans. No. It's, yes, and it's called Miche's Sabon. This is good news. Well, I'm thrilled. You've got that to take back to New York with you. And you can dip away. I've tasted it. It's delightful. If I dip, you dip, we dip. You know what I'm saying? This is the best news ever. Thank you so, so very much. You're so welcome. And thank you for being here and taking the time out. And just so everybody knows, we are inside of Tito's Bus. Um, we're here at the festival, like I said, Hogs for the Cause, and we are in a beautifully, totally tricked out school bus. Super tricked out. Super. Super. There's a bar, there are saddle stools, there are horse hair bumpers, <laughs> and we're going to have a great time today. The show is tonight. I want to thank you so much for taking the time out before the show. I hope you have fun tonight on stage and um really quickly before we wrap up i would love to get your instagram uh handle on the air so that people can follow you sure thing yeah absolutely thank you so much for having me this was super fun um my instagram handle is at karina k-a-r-i-n-a reichman r-y-k-m-a-n it's literally my name nothing too fancy there and that's the same for Twitter and all that stuff, the Facebook, you know, wherever. It's all at Karina Reichman. Well, definitely follow Karina, and especially to get updates on the Karina Reichman experiment. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. And uh, we are going to get ready to sign off. Uh, this, again, was another episode of Backstage Chats with Women in Music. And why do we talk to these ladies? Because they remind us to be dreamers, they remind us to be rule breakers, and that we all are rock stars. Signing off. See you next time. This episode was produced by Eleanor Bennett. Hit the subscribe button and never miss an episode of Backstage Chats with Women in Music. This podcast is a production of the Backstage Chats Foundation, a nonprofit that is on a mission to eliminate gender disparity in the music industry by amplifying the voices and careers of women in music. You can make a difference by donating to the cause. Visit backstagechats.com and click the donate button today.